Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Good evening, Simon. And uh, here we are in the run-up to May the 5th. And I guess some folk might have been tuning in to uh, see another hustings this evening. But uh, unfortunately, logistics got the better of us. And, um, uh, you know, our loyal listeners are saddled with just thee and me this evening. Yeah, they are indeed. Despite our best attempts, um, unfortunately, we couldn't schedule a hustings for this evening. Um, and indeed, our valiant efforts where we thought we'd actually been able to schedule an ENC hustings for the 29th, that fell um, on its backside within 24 hours of us announcing the date. Um, so scheduling snafus aside, um, that's why we're taking a slight detour. Um, on the day, ironically, that one country's leader um, asks his country whether they will support him or not, or whether they have any future, um, just one over the channel. Um, we're here to kind of discuss perhaps a little bit of our leaders' uh, future, um, more the process mm. than the um, is he guilty or not, because um, I think probably anybody that's got an opinion on this has already made it one way or the other. Um, and um, and yeah, but uh, just to clarify, so we do have two hustings still to come. Uh, the on the twenty on the twenty sixth, uh, we have the hustings in. Um, in Baffins. Baffins, yeah. Yeah, in good old Baffins. So we've got the hustings there. Um, and then on the Thursday, on the 28th, we've got Nelson. So yes, um, on the on the Baffins hustings, uh, we've got Jeanette Smith, um, Independent, Charlie Douglas, Conservative, and Jason Christopher uh, from the Labour Party um, joining us. Um, so um, that will be a great show to watch. And um, and then on the Thursday... Probably worth just clarifying that Jeanette Smith is an independent independent and not part of the Portsmouth Independence Party. Yes, that's a very good point, actually. Yes. Um, yes, so Jeanette is standing on a... Uh, um, on Well, you might say a truly independent ticket. Uh, but yes, indeed, that's a very good point to clarify. Um, and then on the Thursday... The 28th, we've got the Nelson Hustings with uh, Liberal Democrat Jason Fazakali, um, Amy Gwyther for Labour, uh, Conservative Spencer Gardner, and our first Green on our Hustings, uh, which is Duncan Robinson. So another, yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, love, lovely to have the, uh, the the our first Green on board. It's, uh, I know some people have um, have basically suggested we've not given the Greens enough airtime. I think it's uh, important to 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 remind people that we invite every candidate from every ward to step forward, um, and we have on on several different topics tried to woo the Portsmouth Greens to come and join us. So uh, fantastic for Duncan Robinson to be the uh, yes. The first to put their hand up and say, "Yep, I'm happy to come on board." Yeah. And in, in so I guess that then that then leaves us Sunday, May the first, which is our which is our last chance to, if we could to squeak any last minute hustings in. Yes. Um, but I guess failing that, it'll be the it'll be you and I again with the battle of the spreadsheets to see uh, who can predict what's going to come next after uh, after May the fifth. Indeed, and whether May the 5th be with you, um, indeed, yeah, we will see what our predictions are and then um, the Sunday after the after the elections actually take place and the, and the results have been declared. Bit of an easier declaration this year than it was um, last year because of all the COVID uh, restrictions last year. 
because um, they were basically um, some wards were done one day, some wards were done a different day, so they were quite staggered. Uh, but yeah, so the following Sunday we'll get together and discuss just how utterly wrong we were. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, and um, yeah, I think there are. There's, there's definitely some. There's definitely some intriguing sideshows this year. I think so. Um, and I think this is where perhaps the focus of tonight's podcast comes, as my dog decides he's had enough of the podcast already and wants to go out. Um, so yes, national matters, and uh, I guess there's that question of will the performance, the attitude, and the behaviour of Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister Boris Johnson will they have a bearing on the local results so let's focus in on um, on Boris Johnson Partygate and what comes next yeah so I'll take us on a brief a brief brief a brief trip down memory lane um, to um, to kind of set the scene a little bit uh, so on the 8th of December last year, um, Labour MP Catherine West um, asked the Prime Minister to clarify whether there indeed was a party at Downing Street on the 13th of November in 2020, to which the Prime Minister responded, no, but I'm sure that whatever happened, I'm not going to do a Boris Johnson impression. You're not going to do your full Boris Johnson impression? I'm sure that whatever happened, the guidelines were followed, and the rules were followed at all times. Caecilius gest mortem, pescis forcivae. Sorry, that's the few bits of Latin that I remember from school. Um, So, um, interestingly enough, um, that's one of the parties that's actually mentioned in Sue Gray's initial report. So her initial report was out. So it's like the prequel is out, but the full thing thing hasn't been responded yet. Um, That that does mention two parties um, in number 10. Actually, two taking place on the same day, on the 13th. A gathering in the flat um, and a gathering um, to mark the departing of special advisor uh, Lee Kane, um, which the Sunday Times um, has... um, has been uh, basically reported that the um has been investigating sorry um and the pm um sorry the times the sunday times reported as being instigated try to read my own notes um by the pm um which number 10 denies funnily enough um um and um um, yes, yeah, so Sue Gray's report um, quotes it as evidence emerges of behaviour that is potentially a criminal offence. Um, and at the time, just as a reminder, because we've had, we've been into COVID, we've been out of COVID, we've been into COVID, we've been out of COVID. Um, so the guidance at the time was that no person, no person may part. Sorry, no person may participate in a gathering which consists of two or more people and takes place indoors. Um, unless there is an exception where the gathering is reasonably necessary for work purposes. I don't know that mm. a leaving do or a birthday party, and not a birthday party, sorry, gathering in a flat is necessary for work purposes nonetheless. Um, also on the same day, the, the PM is asked, um, in, uh, asked to comment about the revelations that came out by the, uh, the video that had come to light of Downing Street, the press office, in that lovely um, media, media suite that was installed by that, lovely Russian company um, that um, that had come to light of basically the, the jovial nature with the response to um, parties um, to which the PM said in the House of Commons that he had been uh, repeatedly assu- he had been repeatedly assured since these allegations emerged that there was no party and that no COVID rules were broken which seems to kind of fly in the face of what the 
uh, what the report in the Times uh, was saying, but also what the Sue Gray report says. Um, but nonetheless, uh, so the Sue Gray's initial report describes an event taking place on December the 18th, um, a gathering in number 10 Downing Street ahead of the Christmas break. Um, and the BBC had reported that it had been told that several dozen people had enjoyed food, drink and party games into the night. Um, it's unclear if the PM attended uh, and the Met Police have not yet made it clear if any fines were issued uh, for this event. And I think here's one of the first interesting pieces on, on trying to piece this all together forensically, isn't it? And I, I'm sure as the as the diligent researcher for our podcast, there, there is you, you've actually got to do quite a piece of work to get your head around what happened when, who revealed what and when, who was saying specifically, oh, I didn't know nobody about which event and then also there's the piece of at the time and date that the event or events took place then going back and saying well okay what were the regulations or the rules at that time um and you you kind of i think the sue gray report here for me is pivotal because my guess would be that's what she was supposed to have done and that's where almost if you want the full chronology and the the what happened when and who was there and you know how did that line up against the you know the original kind of the all the restrictions at the time you'd almost want somebody else to do that legwork for us so we could see everything laid out in one clear and concise document well indeed and um We'll probably come to speak to that in a, in a bit of a second about whether mm. whether you want the Sue Gray investigation, the Met Police investigation, and indeed what was requested um, by the opposition motion, which was uh, that there was a parliamentary investigation um, mm. at, at the same time. Whether the you know do you I, I don't remember which episode of um, Poirot where there were three different detectives kind of look at the trying to look over the same evidence, um, but nonetheless they they kind of got different remits really because. Um, I guess mm. the point with the question for Parliament is about whether or not the Prime Minister has intentionally, and that's the important question, the important word, intentionally misled Parliament. Because ministers and Prime Ministers can make mistakes and say the wrong yes. thing, um, but they're required to correct that at the earliest possible opportunity and correct that on the record. Um, one of the other um, points, just before we kind of, meet, I'll talk a little bit about mm. what's happened this week. So on December the 1st, 2021, um, Sakir Starmer, the leader of the opposition, um, asked if um, this event had taken place at the same time as millions um, were locked down within the country, um, to which the PM responded that he can tell the right honourable and learned, sorry, I can tell the right honourable and learned gentleman is that all guidance was followed completely in number 10, where... And to remind you, the guidance at the time that although there was an ex exemptions for work purposes, you must not have a work Christmas lunch or party where that is primarily a social activity. Remember that the Sue Gray re report yes. refers to this um, refers to this as a um, before the Christmas break. Um, yeah, I and I guess so. that's the key piece, isn't mm. it? That, that, and again, this is where we get into the Fifty Shades of Sue Gray, um, which is that it's primarily a work, a party arrangement. And this is where, you know, it becomes semantics, but important semantics nonetheless. You know, as you say, if you've all been sat in the same office environment, socially distanced, 
and at the end of the day you pull out a tin of beer or two and crack it and say Merry Christmas everybody while sat at your workstation um, kind of I think most people would sort of shrug and say well that doesn't really matter when somebody's bringing in a buffet and a suitcase full of Chardonnay and party games ensue then I think under the definition of being principally a social activity i think that line might have been crossed well it kind of it kind of doesn't pass the it doesn't pass the letter of the law and it doesn't pass the spirit of the law test does it um yeah and 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 i think that's that that for me is there's two things that are important there one is the is the spirit of the law which is that you know are you doing your bit and the second is the letter of the law and i think in in you know some of those activities which have been described actually fail on both counts don't they and i guess that's where you know if we look at the met issuing boris with a fixed penalty notice well that for that's you know at that point it is you know you can't find find somebody for breaking the spirit of the law um but you can find them and have find them for breaking the letter of the law yeah and you might say that many spirits were broken probably gin vodka yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah. Other delicious rum-based uh, yeah. cocktails are available. Yeah, other um, high alcohol beverages are available. So, um, so just to kind of move us a bit closer to present day. Uh, so last week, uh, the PM and Carrie, the PM's wife, and the Chancellor Exchequer, Rishi, Rishi Sunak, were fined by the Met Police uh, for breaching lockdown rules and by attending uh, a gathering uh, celebrating his birthday in June in 2020. Um, the Met. I do. I do worry for Rishi. Do you? Where he's going to find the 50 quid from. He will struggle, I mean, bless him. I mean, if he puts like a GoFundMe on, um, or, you know, he does a GoFundMe or a, or a Kickstarter or something, then I'm, I'm sure we can scratch together a, um, a couple of bob or two for him. Bless his yeah, little heart. Or, or um, possibly a cheque issued from the Cayman Islands might do the same job. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Met Police are continuing to investigate at 12 other events, two of which the PM is reported to have attended. Um, so, um, and these all, um, so the birthday party uh, thing took place during, um, sorry, uh, so one of which took place during widespread restrictions. On the 20th of May, there was a bring your own booze garden party at number 10. Um, and on the 19th of June was um, the PM's birthday party. Um, and and during full lockdown on the 13th of November, there was a leaving party for a, a special advisor. How many leaving parties for how many different special advisors do they need? They come and go, don't they? Mm. Um, is that because they're really good and they're getting hobbled by, you know, getting nicked by other pl- employers or they're rubbish and they need to leave? Um, so um, the privilege com- privileges committee, uh, will now investigate if the PM intentionally misled Parliament, and that's possibly going to be the hardest thing to prove, is the intention. It's possibly easier to say, I was misinformed, and you'll note that that was one of his quotes earlier mm. on. Was it, I've been reliably informed that no events took place, and if they did, even though they didn't take place, that all rules were followed. That's something he can say is third-party information, right? He can. He's not. He's not saying... I'm absolutely certain that no things took place. So he's good at caveating his answers, isn't he? Bless him. It's like he's coming up with the excuses for the homework again. But you know, yes, with a but on this one. Okay. And I think that's where that's where this piece, and that's where I think 
he could end up in 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 severe hot water because if you look at the chronology of you know him standing up and saying i was reliably informed you know i i was blah 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 i i you know i'm assured by people other than myself who told me not to worry it was all good but when you're there when you're present and you've got your 50 pound fixed penalty notice then you, you at this point you know that the rules were not followed at the gathering that you were at and it doesn't take you a, you know the, the people who've told you that now are the metropolitan police oh. so i think that's where the slightly um the slightly gloating theresa mays with the you know, well, did you just not understand the rules you had written or did you understand them and intentionally break them? Um, I think he's I think he's now on very thin ice. Um, yeah, to be honest, there was a there was a bit of me that wanted to play a clip, one of the clips from one of the coronavirus briefings where Boris Johnson was the person briefing the country and saying, these are the things that you can't do. Um, and, and it's almost the thing, well, someone better tell this Boris Johnson that the Boris Johnson today doesn't know that that Boris Johnson was telling him that the Boris Johnson in June and in December couldn't do what the Boris Johnson in June and December did, but he's now mm. saying that he didn't know that he didn't do, but didn't happen, and maybe did, but he's sorry for it. And and this is this is where we find ourselves, isn't it? Which is, yeah. you know, he has, uh, he has expressed his uh, regret and sadness and uh, all of the others. And I guess the question is, well, do you regret doing what you did or do you regret getting caught? Mm. Um, you know, that's a, that, that's a key question, really, isn't it? So It, it was, yeah. So the, the government this week tried, um, were going to try to actually raise an amendment to the motion um, calling for a parliamentary inquiry. Um but it seems that the the Conservative Party backbenchers had a word with the whips and basically said, look, this ain't working. It's not going to happen. Um, so they withdrew their motion, I guess, supposedly because that's less embarrassing than actually losing the amendment that they tried to propose themselves. Um, uh, with the PM saying that he has absolutely nothing, frankly, to hide. Well, I, and I actually think in our murky world of politics, and this is where because... We are slightly more anaraki than than the average listener. Than the average bear. I, I think this, this is the absolute fulcrum, of where it's all. I think it, it potentially is all about to go wrong. So if we rewind back to our our friend who had been done for lobbying, and. Boris in his Borisian style. So, right, right, chaps, right, chaps, one of our own's gone down. We've all got to rally behind him and we're going to create this uh, this new thing where we'll have an investigation and we'll just kick the whole can down the street. And in the end, he'll, uh, he's jolly, bloody good fellow, bloody good fellow. We want to see him go down. So, we'll just change the rules and, um, and that'll see him right, eh? Eh? All together now. And the backbenchers looked at him and said, Oh, bugger off. Well, you know. So so far, but no further, Boris. You know, no, we're not going to save him. And so, you know, that attempt to change the rules was U-turned suddenly, and he went quietly into this good night, and Boris slunk back to his office, probably muttering about 
you know, and, and you kind of look at that and you think, well, all right, so you've lost a bit of, you know, you, you might have lost the dressing room a little bit and they weren't prepared to stick all collectively stick their necks out for your old mate who was a jolly good chap. But the key difference this time is he's gone, come on, folks, looks like I'm in the dunny here and good old Boris, you know, populist Boris, get Brexit done, agency majority, red wall in the bin. Come on, chaps, you need to make sure that I don't end up looking a bit bad here. Hey, hey, all together, best foot forward. Well, what's the point in say in um, supporting a populist if they're no longer popular? Well, and this this is the this is the key piece, isn't it? Is that if you can't motivate the you know your your own parliamentary party to save you or to you know, try and make this all go away, then that says something very strong to me. That says, you know, if the whips can't whip the the, the faithful into line, then you really have lost the dressing room. Yes. Shall we hear what what some people have said? Which speaks yeah, to let's... which speaks to that. So um, the BBC reported that, that an unnamed senior to- uh, t- senior Tory. Um, I've only had one sip of the glass of wine in front of me, by the way. I've not gone for more than. I was going to say, are you are you schoonering rum? Have you are you have you, have you for the party gate episode? Have you spent all afternoon dancing enthusiastically while drinking tequila slammers? Yeah, I've been I've been yeah dancing around the fat singing ABBA songs. Um, it's yeah. it's because someone's crossing and uncrossing their legs in front of me. That's entirely what's distracting me. So Marvelous. so. Um, I don't know whether you you've seen the mail report today. That was what that was a, a snide. No, to. I haven't. Oh, okay. Sorry. We'll come. To, we maybe come to that later on. Um. So, uh, yeah. So the BBC had reported that a senior Tory had said, um, it's a matter of when, not if, that the PM will face a no confidence vote from his own MPs. Um. While the PM is on his trip to India, um, and someone asked him actually because he's planning to announce a trade deal with India in October. Um whether he'll actually still be Prime Minister when that comes about. Um, and he said that he unequivocally would be. Um, Lord Hayward, a Tory peer, said that he expected the PM to eventually face a leadership ta- challenge, calling this a death by a thousand cuts. Um, Tory MP Tobias Elwood, uh, the Defence Committee Chair, uh, spoke of the long-term damage to the party's brand, uh, suggesting that the PM will, of course, face a vote of no confidence. And I'll explain all of that. Um, for mm. not so eagle-eyed listeners about um, about how that works and how the Tory party are quite well rehearsed at how they, well their mechanism is internally for disposing of their leaders. Uh, the Northern Ireland Minister, Connor Burns, uh, said if the Prime Minister stepped off Westminster Bridge and walked down the Thames on top of the water, there would still be those that say it was because he couldn't swim. <laughs> so... It's an interesting angle to take. Um, SNP leader, Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, who herself was spoken to by the Scottish police after being filmed breaking Scotland's face mask rules uh, this week, uh, said that the PM was unfit for office. Um, The Lib Dem deputy leader, Daisy Cooper, said a huge distraction for Boris Johnson and the government, and this is why he should have resigned a long time ago. An SNP Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, uh, said Johnson had lied to avoid getting caught, and once he got caught, he lied again. It's kind of hard to... Now, 
famously, wasn't it? He got he got thrown out, didn't he, for calling Boris a liar? Yes, um, he got thrown out of the chamber for calling Boris yeah. Johnson a liar. Um, and interestingly enough, you the speaker doesn't actually have any powers whatsoever to um, adjudicate on the veracity of what someone says in the House of Commons. That's actually no. a parliamentary debatable thing as to whether actually the, the House itself rules that what someone said was inaccurate um, or not. Uh, but he does have the power, or they has, have the power, to um, to remove or suspend someone from the chamber if they call someone a liar, because the presumption being that all MPs will um, will behave honourably and conduct themselves um, with a close relationship to the truth. Um, yes. So, yes, ironically, powerless about ensuring that the heart of democracy <laughs> is based on truth, but lots of power to get rid of people that call out the lie. There's some Orwellian quote that comes to mind about that. I I, I, I forget, and I'm not going to paraphrase just to mess it up. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Yes, so, um, and Tory MP Steve Baker, you know, great fan of Brexit, Mr Baker, accused the PM of indulging in an orgy of adulation and a festival of bombast. It's like he's never met the guy before. During his meeting with the 1922 committee shortly after his um, apology to the House of Commons, um, Steve Baker went on to say that um, he realised within 90 minutes that the um, that the PM's apology wasn't at all sincere. I'd question his ability to take that long to realise it. But... Um, well, there's... You know, and there's... The, the, the fact is that, that Boris... Boris has always been in the position where he's always been a divisive character, hasn't he? Um, and throughout his whole political career, he's said and done things that for many other politicians would have, would have, there would have been a straight red card. You just, they would have gone into the, you know, walked off into the distance with the sad Hulk music playing. But he seems to have had this kind of, this Teflon bulletproof arrangement where, you know, there's there's a burning wreck in the rearview mirror and he just keeps driving on. So, you know, I do wonder whether there's this element of, has it happened, has so often he got away with his hand in the cookie jar by doing the boyish blustered cookie jar what cookie jar oh this hand oh no this hand's not in the cookie jar this is um is covering the cookie jar to make sure nobody steals the cookies but boris those crumbs around um, your mouth oh well yes they they might look like cookies to you uh, ipso facto de facto cookiness but no 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 i'm still guarding the cookie jar and has it happened so often that he now has this you know you've got to wonder whether he has got this kind of Stand up, stay sorry, keep the hair looking slightly ruffled, looking slightly dishevelled, throw in a few old uh, Etonian um, Latin quotes, um, you know, talk about something, you know, tangential in the future, get a nice three-word slogan around it, and uh, on we go, kids. Well, it's almost like you've been present for the last two years. Um, yeah, um, and it would be odd, of course, that today the, the, um, the mail is... Um, is quoting a um, a Tory backbencher as saying that um, that Angela Rayner crossing and uncrossing her legs in the Houses of Commons 
she does it deliberately to distract Boris because she can't um, she can't compete with his Etonian. Uh, sorry, with his um, uh, was it his Etonian or his Oxford um, oh, yeah, debating he's, he's uh, debating Oxford. training. I was like, it. I mean, is there anybody that really believes that that is remotely sane? But really, that's just a. I'm going to drop this dead cat, this like exploding fish, onto a table, um, and hope that that kind of shuts you up talking about this this kind of stuff um, for a little bit. So it, it it's um it's strange, but it it's not like it's a recent kind of call out, is it? Um, the six leaders, so six party leaders of the of six sorry, the party leaders of six opposition parties wrote a letter to the Speaker of the House of Commons in April last year. Um. Mm saying that accusing the pm um a, of a consistent failure to be honest um and failing to correct wrong information at the earliest opportunity immense to contempt of the house so let's unpick that then simon so so the six opposition mm -hmm. leading uh, are, are saying thus yeah you know uh, and you know, so so there's now you know the the conservative backbenchers come on lads all together, all for one and one for oh where have you all gone? Um, so this now means that the parliament is it the parliamentary standards committee will now investigate it. So it is the uh, the privileges committee, which is a committee Ooh. made up of seven MPs, four conservatives, uh, two um, from Labour, one SNP, um, and. The chair, the current chair, Chris Bryant, the Labour uh, MP, Chris Bryant, has already recused himself because he's already um, expressed an opinion on the subject. Um, so, um, but also two, uh, apparently two of the MPs from the Conservative Party that are on that committee are two that also voted to flex the rules in order to save a previous MP that had been caught taking money from a particular sorry briefings from a particular um company in order to change uh policy so um yeah it's an it's an interesting one so that committee will have the ability to have a look at trying to demonstrate whether the prime minister has intentionally misled the house um yep. what can they do well they can recommend a sanction of either suspension or expulsion from the house uh, bearing in mind if an MP is, uh, um, I think I remember correctly, if an MP is expelled from the House for a certain amount of time, sorry, suspended from the House for a, a certain amount of time, then effectively um, a by-election is called. Um, likewise, if yep. they're expelled. Um, so um, there's that possibility. But it's interesting, the, the wording there is that those are recommendations that then the House of Commons has to vote on. Mm. to accept um, and a further option might be that they call on the prime minister to apologize uh, to the house which he might want to say he's already done um so um not that he needs my help in trying to get it so um yeah so they'll have a look at it but essentially m members of parliament and especially um ministers should be um supposedly following the what are called the nolan principles Yes. So there's um, a principle of seven ideas um, that were um, put into place um, in on the back of um, some work that uh, da, 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 was in 19. 
95, um, that Nolan basically came up with. Um, one being selflessness. So holders in public office should act solely in terms of the, um, of the public interest. Um, that they should... Sorry, I've lost my place in my notes. Um, yeah, so Lord Nolan set these out seven principles um, in 1995. S number two, integrity. So avoid placing themselves under any obligations to persons or organisations that might influence their work um, and not make decisions um, that gain financial or material benefits to themselves. Hmm. Um, three, objectivity, so making impartial decisions. Four, accountability, submit themselves to scrutiny and be accountable to the public for actions and decisions. Hmm. Five, openness, act and make decisions in an open and transparent way. Number six, honesty, holders of public office should be truthful. I'm trying not to laugh. Um, seven, leadership, exhibit principles in their own behaviour and treat others with respect, challenge poor behaviour wherever it occurs. So... Hmm. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Because those are those are very kind of uh, they're a little bit noble, and they're a little bit generic almost. And and uh, again, having worked for a couple of very large organisations, you know that they have, you know, the organisations I've worked for, and I've 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 seen others who have their either they call them their behaviours or their values or their yes you know, principles, you know, and, and, and usually it's, they've, they've done well there not to work it into a mnemonic, um, which most organisations do. Um, so, you know, but they're, they're things which are sort of almost, you know, they're, they're all about being a, a, a good person, aren't they? They're, you know, they're, they're, they're not really particularly you know, I, measurable. I mean, those are those are, those. Are, to be fair, those are the headline summaries of them. Um, yeah, I'm sure the report yeah, goes in, think, goes into greater detail. But yeah, I get what you mean. I, the language is a bit like the rules of a Facebook group. Yes, and 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 I think there is that element where, you know, if you look at those and and you know, there's you made some noises as I, I would expect you to, because some some of them you, you look at and you can say, well, you know. It, it, there's an element of subjectivity there in terms of how somebody has behaved, you know, of, you know, honesty, that's fairly clear, you know, in terms of leadership behaviors, that gets much more subjective. Um, and I think this is where the, you know, so if we look at our parliamentary, you know, our privileges panel, again, and, and I think you touched on it very much at the start, find seven people in parliament, who have yet to make their mind up as to whether Boris has lied over this or not. I think it's going to be very tricky for that panel to look at this, you know, objectively um, and try and gather the appropriate evidence and the timelines and everything else that say, well, you know, with him saying, oh, well, you know, I didn't, I know, I didn't know, I was, wasn't aware, I've been told everything was fine. It's the, um, it's, how you yeah. Are, it's the intentional How that's you going to be hard, isn't it? To yeah. do. But yeah, and that is that 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 is that is potentially the hardest part of this, isn't it? it it's it's the you know well I I, I thought it was all right, um, you know, and I think he he touched on that again when you know he was doing his sorry for the gathering in in his flat, which was he kind of sort of intimated that I almost still don't believe that a few of my work colleagues popping in for ten minutes breach the rules um even though having been told oh yes it did breach the rules and here's a fine for the fact to to prove it 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is where it, it's that. So what happens next for Boris? You know, if they are, you know, if they recommend his suspension or his exclusion, I think that's going to be very difficult because, as you've touched on, it's that it's that will prove that he intended to mislead Parliament. Yeah, I, it, I don't know how much black and white you can, you know, if there's an email somewhere that somebody's got in a drawer that is, comes from an advisor that says, look, governor, um, we know this is, you know, this might pop out. It's going to be if he's a box of frogs. But if you just keep saying no rules were broken, then we'll probably be fine. Wink, smiley face. Um, then that might do for him. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it, yeah, it, it, you know, it's got to be something like that, that that is very clear, that says, yeah, it was made clear to you, this was not right. And you stood in front of the house and said, no, 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 definitely don't worry about it. I know it's not wrong. But Dominic Cummins, because it's been quite quiet recently, hasn't he? Well, and, and they're in, uh, and this is where for me, and, and I, I will go a little bit on this one, which is that this has been very carefully orchestrated, hasn't it? You know, it has all the hallmarks of somebody who had a, a, a desk drawer full of evidence and would put a piece into the media, let it run for a couple of weeks, let it die down for a few days, and then put another piece of information in the public and it would all flare up again. And this sort of fire has been kind of burning continuously from, I think, the 8th, as you said, the 8th of December. Um, so the question is whether somebody who, who whoever is orchestrating this um, has the coup de grace and has the means to get that into the hands of this panel that will do for Boris. Um, yeah, so, um, and it's worth mentioning just before... Um... I thought probably the next thing to talk about would be about what the what the backbench 1922 committee is and how that works. But before I did that, I just wanted to mention that the the ministerial code. So these are uh, a set of codes by which ministers and therefore the prime minister are meant to conduct themselves. Yep. Funny enough, being truthful and honest to Parliament, being pretty much given that you'd, you'd expect um, you'd that, them to be operating in that way. Um, they also are not laws. Um, no. So they, they are down to interpretation. I guess who decides what the sanction is if someone breaks the ministerial code? And this is this is, I think, what we're what we're seeing with our MPs, isn't it? And and it it it, it is, you know, again with so many things that have come out in the past. Um, you know, I remember the story of inappropriate tweets to an intern. Well, if that happened to you or I in our place of work and that got reported HR would look at that there's a disciplinary procedure and based on the level of egregiousness we'd fit somewhere in that arrangement if we probably did it you know if that wasn't enough we we'd end up getting sacked but it seems that for for ministers there is this out of MPs in in you know that the, the disciplinary framework is all very ethereal and is all very unenforceable, for well, want of a better term. Well, aside from the the weirdness of the things that we've already discussed, 
MPs don't work for Parliament. They don't work for the government. They actually work for their constituents. Their constituents yes. are the people that employed them. And essentially, it's only their constituents that can sack them. So, um, you know, so there's a there's a kind of a, a broader piece there. But um, the, the bit I wanted to return to was that the, the person who interprets what the sanctions would be for someone breaching the ministerial code, by the way, is the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's a convention that if a minister is found to have misinformed Parliament or a or a select committee, uh, like Amber Rudd did, um, that they fall on their sword and they resign. Um, when Pretty Patel uh, last year was found to have breached the ministerial code and bullied um, a work colleague, um, Boris Johnson basically said, "Ah, she said sorry, it's fine." So um, I, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but it's it's. It's just kind of like he's a bit not of a man swimming in integrity, is he? Well, but but it also points to the kind of the wider issue about the heart of our democracy. If the heart of our democracy relies on the people at the heart, at the centre of it, and running our government, telling the truth, and they've actually got no balance, but there's no checks and balances to make sure that they do, yeah. then our democracy isn't anywhere near as strong as we think it is. Because the no, people, it's, no, it's the, not, and it, the, it, you know, and it it's based in this sort of. <laughs> Oh, we're going to turn into the pub landlord. Good old British values, which is, you know, we will behave in a way that is integrous and fair and decent. And that will be a decent man at the heart of government. Or woman. Um, but the fact is, when there's not... But, and, that, you know, but that's why you have rules, because you can't work on the presumption that everybody is, has intrinsically got a great sense of fair play. Um, there's some good comments kind of coming, um, coming up about this. Um, Elliot, who is the... Um, who's the uh, Green candidate in St Tom's who had also been ready to do a hustings if someone else had um, decided that they were going to be up for it. So thank you for joining us, Elliot. Um, so he's saying that this discussion sets a strong case for a written constitution, written in stone. I think it means metaphorically, not like, you know, yep. actually carved. Um, expectations of office holders that be held fully accountable on um, enforceable in some way too. Uh, yes, we already have a means of accountability but it's clearly clearly complex and outdated. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. this entire, this, these mechanisms that I'm describing, they are just worked on the premise that everybody's a good chap. Couldn't possibly yeah, stand there and lie. Absolutely, absolutely unthought, unheard of, old being. Wouldn't have that sort of fellow in in, yeah, in the party, yeah, yeah. let alone at the heart yeah, of good, government. Good grief, that sort now, of thing wouldn't happen. So and, yeah. And joking aside, it, it, it is you know again, I, I I've, I've spoken over the last several weeks with with you know as part of the work we're doing with the hustings with many of our you know conservative councillors who and and you know many conservative party members who. You know, we have all metaphorically got our heads in our hands. Possibly we're of a certain age and of a certain, which is that we, we still believe that the person who, you know, the person that wears our rosette should be a decent fellow. And that's non-gender specific, but they just shouldn't be. They just shouldn't be Boris. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Well, you know, so there is that element of you're, you're right. The constitution is, or the, the the sort of whole rules are based in decency. Um, but there's part of us that's there's 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 quite a movement within the, you know, within the conservative-minded group of people who still absolutely believe um, that 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 actually should be enough. Um and. 
And that works all the time that everybody's operating to the same playbook and, and playing by the same rules. But Correct. when someone isn't, you, yep. ha- you have a massive, massive problem because everyone else is yep. just standing there saying, well, they couldn't possibly do that. No, that, no they, they couldn't possibly do that. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, this person is in this position because they've had lots of support from lots of people. Um, and the way for them to get for for those people that, you know, essentially because Boris Johnson's electorate, if you like, as the prime minister, as the as the leader of the Conservative Party is is the MPs in the Conservative MPs in Parliament. So the 1922 committee, which um, yep. which basically is there to because they're a backbench committee, they're able to say things that don't necessarily have to toe the line that the front bench have to. Um, but essentially they're there to, and their charm. Uh, sorry, their chair is Sir Graham Brady. Um, and if they receive letters of expressing no confidence or lack of support in the current prime minister from 15% of the parliamentary party, so in this case, that would be 54 MPs, um, if they get to 54, and they're very secretive, obviously, quite clearly, about how many how many letters they may or may not already have had, um, then... If it gets to that magic number of 54, then a leadership, um, sorry, then a vote of no confidence takes place, which the leader has to win by more than 50% of the, has to win more than 50% of the vote, in which case the argument about the leadership is quelled and they cannot be challenged for another for a year. If they lose that vote, as Theresa May did, oh, sorry, no, Theresa May won her vote, I beg your pardon. Oh, I, I've temporarily lost Ian, so I'm going to continue explaining this. So uh, Theresa May, sorry, in 2018, um, won her vote 200 to 117. Uh, but the last Conservative uh, Prime Minister to lose, um, sorry, the last Conservative leader to uh, to lose such a uh, such a mo- uh, such a vote uh, was Ian Duncan Smith, who lost that um, 75 to 90 in 2003. So. Who knows whether those letters will be arriving on Sir Graham Brady's uh, doormat? Whether he'll be furiously in need of buying a new letter opener in order in order to open all of those um, is obviously a secret, and we'll only know when we get to that point. Welcome back, Ian. I've just conti- just finished explaining the the nineteen twenty two and who last when it was last used the the vote of no confidence and Theresa may actually um saw it down um and when it was last lost marvelous so yes the the, the 1922 committee and, and and it is the uh you know it is the only way really or the most effective way that um that um we will move boris on um mm-hmm. and and i think the the, the key piece is going to be it, it it will be I, I, if I was the uh, if I was the person who opened the mail for the 1922 committee, um, I'd be keeping my index finger, you know, pretty well supple and um, you know in good shape for the post uh, for the, uh, the 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 incoming um, mail on May the sixth, because I think that will be the acid test. You now, as you highlight yeah, I... as you highlighted earlier, you know, Boris is a populist. Um, you know, an an incredible populist in terms of, you know, when you look at the last general election result and the destruction of the Red Wall, you know, you have the, you have the choice between a hardline socialist 
and a Latin muttering old Etonian, and you put that to the, you know, to the 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 working class Midlands and the, you know, the 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 those northern towns. You know, if you looked at that a couple of years earlier and said, well, that's going to be their choice. Anybody who suggested the old blustery Etonian public schoolboy figure was going to win those seats. They, they would have, they would have put you in a jacket with the straps at the back, wouldn't they? Um, well, they, well, they would, but that's why um, it was such an artful and obviously politically successful thing to do to paint the whole situation about uh, about the state of the country um, in two thousand nineteen. Um, not about left and right, but about listening to you and not mm. about I will get it done and not about you've been ignored and although we've been in power for nine of the last you know to, for the last nine years you've been ignored but we're going to listen we we will listen to you and it was the being able to sell that and it not be that kind of left right um but then actually make the um you know the leader of the opposition so politically toxic yep um was at, at, you know at the end of the day it was obviously a very successful electoral strategy um but the number of u-turns that this government has it does more donuts around than than the boy races that do donuts around the car park at the ibm uh, down the road um because but that's because they all float policies out on the media to see what see mm. whether people like them or not and then just retract them if they're not popular and that's and not good policy making that's that's an opinion poll. That's you know that's what you do if you want to figure out what ice cream to have for dinner. You yeah, know, that's 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 not how you run a country. No, uh, but I think this is where the and this is where we get to, isn't it? Is that the populism mm. of Boris was enormously successful in winning the twenty nineteen election. And yeah, there is an element of, you know, what his message was: Labour isn't listening. You know, you voted overwhelmingly to leave. You voted overwhelmingly, you know, that you, you you felt that being part of the EU, you know, was part of the reason that you are now, you know, feeling isolated, underinvested. You know, you need to be levelled up. We hear that and therefore lend us your vote. And the fact was that people took that message and we we could, there's a whole other show just in that monologue on its own for us to unpick. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm sitting here, sh I'm shaking yeah, at no, my desk trying to think no, of, let's, no, talk, no, let's get, not talk about the B word, that. the B word, not the B word. Yeah, but but the fact is that the based on that narrative, um, mm. he won seats that the Conservatives have never won before. But Indeed. there is that element now of actually, you know, the the, the, the maverick, the loose cannon nature of Boris, um, it, it, it was a, you know, was it a case of it, it was useful for a time and a season? And to your point, you know, the Conservative Party has always been prepared to look at their leaders and say, actually, do you know you what? Your your time is up. And any attempt of saying, but, but, but I'm not ready for my time to be up is kind of, well, Sorry, chum. We've decided that it is. So, I think the pivotal piece is going to be May the fifth. I think I, I th if we I, take a yeah. pasting, then I think that triggers the beginning of the end. 
I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I think it's mildly ironic that Johnson was the end of May, and it's quite possible that May will be the end of Johnson. Oh, you've got it. You've stolen that. Sorry? You, you didn't invent that yourself, I, did you? I did not invent that. I no. have absolutely stolen that. <laughs> a... um, so I'm going to return to it. Just going to go to a comment there. So um, uh, so Phil says, um, it was okay when um, when people were playing by the unwritten rules, but with Boris and his team who don't play by the accepted standards, the need for more regulation is definitely required. It's a bit more of an argument for perhaps a written constitution, which is an interesting, yeah, uh, I, I interesting think, debate. I, I think Phil's spot on there is that the broom stuff um it it is yeah and yeah. it goes on to say um the the british like an affable fool under the disguise uh, we hoped there was a compassionate honest and politically serious man um however there clearly isn't and i think um, he's absolutely spot on there he's um you know there, there is that element of you know, the hope was always that the bluster was the bluster, but actually underneath, you know, particularly when you get to the point of it's okay being a reporter for the spectator or a, or a columnist for wherever, you know, where you can be a bit more. Well, there's a reason why Jeremy Clarkson is, whether you like him or loathe him, he is to some a particularly successful and watchable media personality, yeah. but you wouldn't really want him running the country. No, uh, I'm sure there's probably someone that would, but and I you, think that, you I wouldn't, think that, and, you, and you really shouldn't, because yeah. we've tried it and it doesn't work. Yeah, and that's a great parallel. So, you know, ultimately at this point, if I, if you ask me to say, you know, put my five pound note on the table, um, I don't know, to be honest, whether it, it made the fifth is going to be very interesting because I, I don't get a sense of whether what party gate matters to many people outside of the of the those that are really politically interested i mean i saw that there was a and it's always you know looking at the portsmouth news when they post a story on facebook and ask people what do you think often you have to have a strong drink with you before you start reading the comments because then they're not necessarily a great reflection of the diversity and inclusion nature of our city. But when it said, well, should he resign? I would say probably 70% of the comments just said, no, this doesn't matter. It's relevant. It's not a story. It's an event. And I kind of looked at it and thought, well, really? I kind of, you know, so it will be a case, I think, when it comes to, you know, people putting their X's in the boxes on on May the 5th. Well, I'm never quite sure with the local electorate whether they're more politically engaged or less politically engaged because it's really only half the people that ever turn out for a GE. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I don't. Um, it would be interesting to find out from voters that don't necessarily vote in a local but do vote in a general um, what the reason for that is. There's yeah. some... There's some stuff that you could probably get to in looking at actually the, when you look at because there's three councillors in every ward in the city. Yes. Well, quite clearly, um, some wards of the city are all one particular colour politically, but other wards actually are, are mixed. Yep. Um, so that quite clearly disproves the idea that the entire ward supports political, uh, you know, the mm. a, a political party A, because actually, if one year they're electing political party candidate A from party A, and the next year they're they're electing a candidate from party B. Does that just mean that the people that support Party B don't bother voting in the year that the person 
that's mm. just been re-elected is standing for A. So is there kind of that um, person versus rather than party that's driving the vote um, at local elections, perhaps? I think, um, in, some, last year, I think, the... I think in some wards very much so, but in other wards, mm. no. Hey, no, and, um, and, and that's, I mean, it's the interesting thing, isn't it? That, that dynamic of if you have a very hardworking, very visible, um, affable um, candidate or current councillor, regardless of their party, they're likely to be popular regardless of their party. Yeah. Um, and you, I've seen this in comments in um, in groups actually on um, in, in Portsmouth politics groups, um, where people will say, "Well, actually, locally, I will vote for this person, or if this person was standing in my ward, I'd vote for them." And in a general election, I'd vote for this, you know, this party. And actually, on all three occasions, they were they were actually listing different political parties, and it just goes to show actually it's probably. The people that only ever vote for one party are actually the ab- the, ab- the abnormal ones. Yeah, and maybe and the centre ground is people that flex their vote a little bit, depending on who the person is and what the situations are. I mean, I've in my lifetime I've voted for all four of the larger UK political parties. Oh, that's um, interesting. In in I mean, there's one that I will never vote for ever again. Now, but. I voted. You know, can't say that as a Lib Dem member. Why? Oh, it's not the Lib Dems. Uh, <laughs> no, you stirrer. So, um, no, I'm very sorry. There's no surprise to anybody oh. else. There's no, that I could never see myself being in a situation where I would be happy to vote Conservative ever again. There's no way I can ever see myself doing that. The, um, when I voted for them in the past, many many years ago, that was a completely different party to the one that I see now. Um, and I can't see me ever forgetting or forgiving them for that, if I'm really, really honest. But that's just me as a voter. Other people may feel entirely differently. And, and in fact, other people have a similar view to their experiences of the last Labour government and things that they did that they will never no. forgive them for, or, or indeed the Labour governments in the 70s. Yep. No, um, no I, you know, I, will never, I voted you know. for Mr. Tony Blair um, you know, at the time. Because um, things can only get better. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, cool Britannia, all the above. Um, so, yeah, I think if we look at it, that's that's kind of, I mean, it's Portsmouth in a microcosm, isn't it? You know, Labour mm. won a landslide in the south. Um, the Conservatives won an absolute landslide in the north. But the Lib Dems have more councillors than any other party. So, you know, it's going to be key, no, I, I the, think, the, as we look at... That's not- is that not true? Sorry, the conserv no, the Conservatives are, are the largest party oh, we still on got one more. City Council at the moment. Oh, I thought we were. Um, is it we one were. or two? But only one, effectively, because uh, the because uh, the Lord Mayor is yes. the, is a Conservative yeah. councillor. Yeah, so it- uh, yeah, so that's so that's not entirely. But it is weird that in generals, the the city is these days is basically blue in the north red in the south and both of those mps are very very strong and very very comfortable in their majorities they both increased their majorities at the last general election but when it comes to um, local council we've got the conservatives now in a position where they're going to struggle to form a majority administration to get to 22 uh, councillors and they haven't got any friends on the council that would likely to be you know likely to support them and put them into uh, administration mm. so essentially they you know they can count as much as anybody they must be kind of staring down the barrel of quite a few years 
of being an opposition party in the council, even even in situations like currently, where they actually have the largest number of councillors. Yeah, no, and it's something we'll definitely pick up on next Sunday, which is that, you know, again, uh, it, it is the perpetuation of Portsmouth, no overall control, Lib Dems, oi, Labour, leg up, cheers, chump, we win again. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll work through that dynamic. If we just close in on on Boris, so come on then, if we're sat here in, let's say, let's say three weeks' time, where's Boris? On a beach somewhere. Do you think the 1922 would have done for him? Yeah, I, I, I think if um, if the locals go the way I think they're likely to go, bearing in mind last year, the country, they were way, I mean, not be funny, in some wards in the city, in Drayton and Finlayton, they were weighing the votes rather than bothering to count. They were obviously counting them, but yes. you know, essentially it was like 63%. Um, no, no electoral malpractice took place, just to clarify that. Um, this year, it's not going to be that situation. This year, it is very a very, very different situation. And if the country was voting Conservative quite happily last year because of the vaccine rollout, this year, not got that. You, you think we're Cost of living, Boris Johnson dissembling about, you know, whether, he, whether or not he did, not got his eyes on the job because, you know, and it, uh, yeah, I, I I think things are going to be tough. And the government will, of course, say the the party of government always does poorly at local elections and it's not really a reflection on what the country thinks about us. It's just really a normal thing that they basically give us a bit of a kicking during the middle of our term. Um, and that's kind of how they deal with it. But I don't know. I mean, is, I, I, um, I've got a hope and a dream. It, but I've also is got... Rishi getting ready for a basically a pre-election giveaway? Quite probably, almost certainly. Is, um, but I I, yeah. I wonder whether Rishi's brand has been damaged by um his wife's rather um rather shameful well, tax practices. Um, so yeah. if you want, but who my... does that help? I don't think that helps. Who do... Um, but, so in terms, but that of... helps that helps mean that there isn't someone that's a, an heir apparent to replace Johnson. No, but so if part if, of part of Johnson's defence is, well, who's going to replace me then? You can't get rid of me. You can't well, get rid of me. Who else is there? Well, and it's there interesting is... because I think if you speak to conservatives that don't rate Johnson, um, and you offered them Rishi in exchange, they'd kind of shrug gallically and say, "No, you're all right. We'll stay as we are." Um, because well, there we are. you know, so that's that's where we're at. In terms of, I, I've got a. I've got a feeling that it's going to go, I think it's going to get no clearer. I think we won't have a great May the 5th, but I don't think we'll get massacred. And I think without the massacre, then the decision as to whether you pull the plug on Johnson, I, I think is in the balance as to whether the rest of the the MPs, whether they choose to stick or twist. So the interesting thing is, because he can't be challenged again after after fighting off the challenge he can't be challenged again for a year for the opposition is it a better thing that he gets challenged immediately after the locals wins the challenge and therefore stays as the leader yep. in the run-up to the next general election that, that is and that is their best hope in terms of of that continuation of um of stumbling embarrassment 
So on that and, note... And there we go. On the stumbling embarrassment note. Exactly. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sandspring. And don't forget to join us Tuesday um, in the week Thursday. on Tuesday for the for the uh, for the Baffin Hustings at six twenty seven Tuesday, and on Thursday for the Nelson Hustings six twenty seven, and then we're back again on the first to tell you what we think is going to happen on the fifth, and then on the eighth we'll come back and discover how wrong we were. So join us for our next episode. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See, it's easy.